Hello and welcome to the podcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. In the wake of the horrific events earlier this month in Charlottesville, Virginia, statues honoring leaders of the Confederacy are falling across the South. The moves are being cheered by some and jeered by others. Those cheering say the statues represent a tribute to white supremacy and the slaveholding practice that the Confederate Army fought to preserve. Those doing the jeering, including the president, say we're witnessing knee-jerk reactions that are erasing history and denying Confederate leaders their place in it. What's the right way to remember this highly charged chapter of American history? And what does the debate now going on say about the country's long reckoning with race? Helping us think through some of this are Nina Silber, a professor of history at Boston University, whose work includes a focus on the Civil War in the American South, and Steve Cazella, president of the Massing Polling Group. So, Nina, as a, as a historian, you obviously have a lot of reverence for the past and what it tells us. So should these Confederate statues be coming down now? Well, uh, it's definitely a complicated question, as the events of the last few weeks will show us. Um, so rather than come out first with a definite yes or no, I do want to give some context to those statues, um, because people aren't always aware that these were not statues that simply came up right after the war to um, mourn soldiers who had died. Obviously, there were some of those, but um, the particular statues that people are talking about right now are, by and large, the statues that went up uh, in mostly in southern cities and towns uh, roughly in the period between about 1895 and 1920, uh, and often connected specifically to organizations like the United Daughters of the Confederacy, the Sons of Confederate Veterans, United Confederate Veterans, um, who were concerned about venerating uh, and celebrating the soldiers, the generals, the commanders of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy. And the timing of the construction of those statues is really important because that was a moment when white Southerners were trying to consolidate uh, the Jim Crow system in the South, uh, when they were really uh, putting in place a lot of the you know things that were in place until the 1960s in terms of disenfranchising black voters, um, segregation, uh, you know other laws that restricted African American mobility and rights, um, and although you know on the face of it it seems like well what does that statue have to do with Jim Crow? Um, I do think that those statues were often sending a message about white supremacy and white superiority. And sometimes people were explicit about that when they unveiled those statues uh, and they would make reference to those sorts of things. And sometimes it was, I, I think, more a kind of political climate that was being created in that period uh, that was sort of sending a message to Southern whites to stand together. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there were obviously differences amongst uh, white Southerners. You know, some supported the Confederacy, some hadn't supported the Confederacy. Uh, some were poor farmers, some were very wealthy elites. And I think the Confeder this veneration of the Confederacy in the 1890s, my take on it, is that it was a way of kind of shoring up um, a solid white constituency. Uh, regardless of social class. So, so it kind of helped promote uh, that idea of white supremacy, white superiority, you know, white standing together against African Americans. And so in that context, also, you know, in the context of things that were explicitly put on some of those monuments, I, I, I just think it's important to kind of say, you know, that they do come at this particular moment and they are 
I, I feel like they promote that message um, and we're there to promote that message of white supremacy. Now, you know, a few years ago, I probably would have said in answer to the question, should these monuments come down? You know, everybody, there are different local situations and maybe some yes, maybe some no. Uh, but I think in the context of what's happened in the last few weeks, I think it's become much, much harder to support the continued standing, you know, whatever maintenance has to be done on these monuments. Um, I think it's become much harder to support that because now the there's a very, very clear overlay and connection between those monuments and the events in Charlottesville. And, uh, you know, some people have even sort of dated some of this reappraisal to the uh, horrible uh, massacre at the South Carolina church two years ago when the shooter there was, uh, you know, you know, adored the Confederate flag and right. on social media and elsewhere, that was very clear. And that sort of was the beginning of some reckoning with whether, you know, that symbol of the right. Confederacy should remain uh, atop state capitals or in, in other prominent places. So it feels like, you know, the events now are kind of calling the question in a way, maybe you'd say, in a way that it, I guess you're saying historical events had not you know, as recently as even five years ago. And certainly we went through the whole kind of civil rights period where this wasn't at the center of it, but but sort of in this time and place now, and and I guess it has to do with in history, is it that the meaning that we attach to things, you know, currently sort of has a lot to do with then sort of how how we think about the place of these of these monuments? Well, I think that's true. I think, you know, the Contemporary issues, contemporary politics will always inform these kinds of structures, monuments, memories um, about the past. Um, and right, I think that that's certainly what you said is true about the Confederate flag in the aftermath of the Charleston shooting. Um, you know, interestingly, at that moment, it was really the flag that was sort of prominent in people's discussions. Uh, and I think in the last few weeks, you know, we've seen a lot of attention, especially since uh, in Charlottesville, the, the focus there was this uh, statue of Robert E. Lee. Right. So it was really, it was uh, a debate over the place of these statues that set off this whole, this right. whole uh, uh, conflict. And just talk a little about, uh, you know, in the wake of, of, of all of this, we've heard from people certainly as prominent as the president and now the vice president saying, you know, sort of decrying the move to remove these and uh, you know, saying it helps us remember and honor our history and and sort of furthermore sort of saying, where will this all end? You know, will we right. get rid of, you know, will the George Washington Bridge have to get renamed uh, or statues of Washington and Jefferson? And, and I mean, how do you, how should we, how do you respond to that idea? Right, the problem of, of, of the slippery slope. Right. Right. Well, I mean, one is the question, and I've seen some uh, historians address this, you know, when you talk about our history. So what does that mean, our history? I think um, people who supported the Union uh, during the Civil War would not say that this is a veneration of their history. Uh, they had a very different perception of the Civil War and the outcome of the Civil War and who should be venerated and who shouldn't. And I think African Americans also would say this veneration of uh, the people who stood for the Confederacy and stood for slavery also is not something that, you know, uh, deserves this place of honor in their history. Uh, and, you know, on the question of the slippery slope, I'll, I'll admit there's a slippery slope. Um, but the fact that there's a slippery slope doesn't mean we shouldn't 
start out on the slope, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Because, mm -hmm. because I think there is actually an important and big distinction between honoring the leaders of the Confederacy and honoring George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, uh, even though they were slave owners as well. Uh, and the difference is that George Washington and Thomas Jefferson uh, were foremost involved in a project about the creation of the American Republic. Uh, which included, you know, the principles, many of the principles that we hold dear today in terms of the Declaration of Independence uh, and issues about constitutional governments, um, whereas I... Right, in terms of the role of blacks or women, we could say it was an imperfect union at the time, right? And, exactly. and that's been the exactly. kind of also part of the American project, you might say, and it's even... You know, in the in the language of the documents, to right, and there's to, always been, and I think there's always been those tensions and that conflict. Um, whereas I feel the difference with uh, honoring the leaders of the Confederacy is that their project was about the destruction of the American Republic uh, and and really kind of going against many of those ideals and principles. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about how Americans are sort of viewing this debate as it's playing out. And Steve, you and the Massing Polling Group recently surveyed uh, in the you know days immediately after the Charlottesville events uh, voters in Virginia on the question of, of whether these statues ought to remain or be removed. Uh, tell us a little about the findings. Right. So we uh, surveyed registered voters in Virginia and found a pretty, pretty, by a pretty sizable margin, people think that the uh, monuments, the Confederacy, A, uh, represents Southern heritage, heritage rather than racism and should be kept on public property. Um, we also found th uh, that, our, that people in Virginia actually hold pretty similar views to what we see nationally, uh, where the, a couple of different organizations, The Economist and Reuters most recently, have produced similar polls which show that it, this is not just something which is, you know, the state of Virginia because that's where the debate's centered or because um, of its uh, history in the Confederacy, it's uh, this is a, a view that's held nationally. You know, you have 54% nationally saying that um, that monu these monuments have more to do with pride rather than racism. You have about the same numbers saying that uh, the statute of Robert E. Lee that was at at the, the center of what happened in Charlottesville should be kept rather than removed. So, um, I, 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 it's I'm interested to hear. Uh, Hear more about the history because, but I, but I think that there's people have assigned them different views, even if they don't, or different significance, even if that's not the reason that they were originally constructed. Right. Well, I, it's interesting those those figures um, because then there's also, in some ways, like the kind of countervailing factor, which is that in Charlottesville, right, they voted as a city council to remove the statue of Robert E. Lee, uh, so that there are kind of local. Um, gatherings, discussions that are taking place in which people are expressing their opinion about these statues. So, so that's one part of what's going on here, too, is, is that, um, you know, that, that there, are, there have been these local discussions about whether they should stay or whether they should be removed. And in many cases, people are um, agreeing that they should be removed. Uh, you know, and then in terms of, yes, I think it's absolutely true that people will assign different values to them, assign a different kind of history to them. Um, I, it's a very, one of the things I think that's so complicated about the monument issue, though, is that they're there. They're there, and, you know, when you look around, you might say, sure, they've always been here, they should stay here, they're kind of a natural part almost of our environment. So the idea of reckoning with taking them down, I think, can I certainly understand how that can be difficult for people. 
But it's also worth pointing out that, you know, we take down things all the time. We take down or we rename a school or people rename a bridge or people, you know, take down a building. So, so you know, we have a culture that, that does this in other situations. Um, and, and I guess I would put the, the monument issue sort of in that context that they, um, you know, that, they're, that they were there, they were constructed for a particular reason, that they, you know, fit in a, into a particular period. But the idea of kind of looking at them as for all time and all purpose, yeah. I would reject. And so you're not, are you surprised at the sort of breakdown of the, of the, of the numbers that, that there's kind of probably more support for having them remain than right, and than that go. was and that was Virginia specific. Oh no, that was that was national. Well, yeah, I mean, so, our, our, right, poll, our poll was Virginia, but it's very similar similar to views nationally. I mean, we've seen um, one thing that's curious to me is that if we is what will happen over the next couple of years on these numbers because we've right. seen um, in a couple of cases the uh, something that Donald Trump grabs onto actually changes public opinion about that thing. Mm. You know, we've seen we've seen that for instance. In, or that it appears that we're seeing that in climate change, for instance, where people are now much more concerned about it than they were when Democrats were just telling them that they needed to be concerned. You know, so I wonder. So there's a kind of reverse Trump effect. You're yes. saying? Yes, I, I do wonder <laughs> That's if interesting. that will happen yeah. here. If the cultural significance of these will, in some ways, go mm -hmm. back to what the reason that they were originally constructed and sort of make people realize and study and understand a bit more about why they were originally constructed. Right. Um, I, you know, that that's all speculation. We'll have to wait and see sort of how. Uh, the polls look for the next couple of years, um, but it, it it is interesting that uh, that you know his uh, that Trump and uh, sort of Trump's constellation of political forces when they uh, attach themselves to something, it actually can change views on that thing. Right, right. And um, I wondered, uh, uh, Nina, what you make of uh, both Trump's attempt, and then now I've seen Vice President Mike Pence has come out and said uh, in his sort of style, which is you know a much calmer, smoother, less uh, less harsh uh, delivery than Trump, but a similar message really that they should remain. That it's you know again it's sort of a soft peddling of what they represent. It has to do with our history and heritage. And I was interested that I heard uh, Pence say, uh, and this was again sort of the maybe the kinder, gentler version of Trump, that we shouldn't be getting rid of statues, we should be erecting more of them. And he was kind of suggesting that, um, again, they're a way to kind of capture our history, so maybe we need to be adding more statues honoring people who came after the Confederacy, people who, he doesn't say it explicitly, but the suggestion is, you know, people who are part of the civil rights effort to, uh, you know, expand rights of blacks as opposed to deprive them of rights or deprive them of freedom period. And, and I, I just don't know what, what to really make of that. And, and it sort of struck me that it's a little bit of a version of the, uh, you know, there's this free speech argument that, you know, the answer to sort of objectionable speech, you know, isn't to suppress it, but is just more speech. Right. And I don't, is that, a, is that a fair sort of parallel to draw to say we should be doing that? Or is he uh, kind of uh, uh, dodging really this question about, you know, whether it really is always appropriate that we have icons to remember every period of history. People point out they certainly don't have, you know, sta I mean, statues in Germany to Hitler, and yet uh, it's hard to say that they've forgotten that history because they've, you know, kind of erased, you know, sort of, you know, uh, images of him. Right, right, because there's many other ways to discuss the history than simply having statues and monuments, and in fact, there's much better ways 
to really have a discussion of the complexities of history than to look at a statue because a statue really kind of simplifies uh, and often mythologizes what the history is. So, so the idea of competing statues, I think I, I'm glad you said dodge. I mean, I, I think it's a dodge um, because I don't see it as a really realistic solution to furthering the dialogue about the history. Um, and I guess I, it's also, you know, I, the question I would have too is, the whole practical side of constructing monuments. You know, the, the history of these uh, Confederate monuments, I would just say, is also interesting because of how much the, they, they reflect the power and the resources that white Southerners had in the, you know, basically up until, say, 20 years ago in the South, um, maybe even still, but but they reflect how much power white Southerners had because uh, they had the money to put up a statue. They had the connections to their local governments. They could say, we want to put a statue outside the state house, and you know, probably somebody's relative was a legislator, and they could say, okay, that's great. Put your statue right there. Uh, and African Americans did not have that. Um, so so what we see then is is a landscape where you know, it kind of reflects the uneven distribution of power and resources. So to say, you know, now let's have more statues, well, then you have to tackle that question of who's putting up the money? Where are the resources going to come from? You know, is Mike Pence, are they going to actually give federal dollars to the construction of monuments that would respond to all of these Confederate monuments? Are local governments going to have the resources to put up the statues to respond to all of those federal monuments or the Confederate monuments? So that's, you know, to me, that's, that's, that's kind of a big question here. And, I, and, and many people probably might say, well, if you're willing to put up that money for monuments, why don't you actually put up that money towards, you know, social programs or, you know, like, is that really the best way to spend money that you might be willing to spend mm-hmm. on a monument? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more uh, about some of the history here. And, um, and I guess one thing that I was struck by is that in the recent protest or the protest in, in, in Charlottesville, there was this kind of uh, coming together of different right-wing groups, and they get variously described as the alt-right. They were sometimes called neo-Nazis. Some of them were clearly had ties to the Ku Klux Klan. David Duke was there in Charlottesville, a former Klan leader. And, um, and you had a, an op-ed piece last week in the Washington Post that actually, uh, I thought, in a fascinating way, really reminded people that, that, that uh, these are not just kind of a current... Uh, coming together of, of, of people with these ideologies, but there is a real history that goes back sometime. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Right. I think the, the point there was to say it's not a current coming together of these ideologies, nor is it an arbitrary coming together of these ideologies, that um, for many people, the for actual Nazis even, not just neo-Nazis, but actual Nazis, there was something um, admirable about the Old South, its system of slavery, its system of a social hierarchy that put a supposedly superior race on top. Uh, and Hitler himself actually spoke admiringly of uh, the Old South. Uh, so, so it's not then kind of, you know, out of thin air then to see uh, this kind of coalition that forms, uh, you know, through the, the 1930s and 1940s, there were a lot of uh, groups, Klan groups, hate groups, Nazi sympathizing groups that 
used the symbols of the Confederacy that made reference to the Confederacy in this very admiring and appreciative sort of way. So, so you know, I feel like, again, it doesn't come out of nowhere that there is that kind of backdrop to that linkage of Nazi sympathies, white supremacist sympathies, and sort of seeing in the symbols of the Confederacy another way to honor that legacy and those those beliefs. And it's not, again, I think sort of back to some of Steve's poll numbers, it's not, those are not connections that I would think the, the overwhelming majority of the people who are responding, you know, favorably toward preserving monuments are viewing it. So there's, there is this kind of, I a think, disconnect. Exactly, between mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. people, uh, what people see in these monuments and, and, well, right. and, and, there, and the you know, history. Right, and by and large, you don't see, you know, st- you don't see any statues of Robert E. Lee with a swastika on them. So, so there is a kind of, you know, I, I think what historians sort of are trying to do is, is demonstrate where there have been connections and linkages made and why those connections and linkages are being made. And that... I, I guess I would say the you know the thing about the statues of the Confederacy is they're often a kind of an intentional, not meant to use a pun here, whitewash of their history. You know that they didn't put up that just as they don't have statues that have a swastika on it, they didn't also put up statues that say, although maybe in one or two cases they did, but mostly they didn't put up statues that said you know slavery, the greatest system that we ever had, even though they actually believed that and said those kinds of things, that the, and that that was really what they were fighting for, was to preserve that system. But, you know, when they put up their statues, they, they didn't put that front and center on what they wrote on their statues. They said these were men of honor, these were men who were defending their state, these were men who were de- defending constitutional principles. So they soft-pedaled, you know, what the Confederate message was. So I think the point here is to say, you know, there is, there is another message that this Confederacy represented and, and that's where you can sort of see, uh, that's where you can understand why the, the white supremacist ideology uh, has a connection to that. And the, I think one of the things that, that's uh, both that helps to explain these, the views that were expressed in the survey and also explains why Trump has gotten himself into some trouble with the way he responded is that, you know, the groups are all sort of hard to disentangle. So when he... Uh, says things that he said and the way that he said them, people interpret that as putting white supremacists and Nazis on the same plane with the people who just have sort of a romanticized view of the South. You know, so there's there's a lot of different groups that are expressing views that, you know, do have some historical connection, but believe, I think, in their own hearts that they're expressing views that are completely different. But when Trump, uh, you know, sort of describes them in the imprecise way that he did and says the things in the sort of imprecise and inflammatory way that he said them, you can see why people, even people who agree that they're, these monuments are to Southern heritage and that there were people there on the left who were there to instigate violence, they still don't like the way that he talks about the issue because it, uh, they they just I um, I look at some other national polls and and, and find that um, people uh, that people think that he's equating the two people think that he's equating white supremacists and Nazis with the people that are there to oppose him and putting them on the same moral plane. And uh, I mean, talk a little you know, about uh, this this sort of time we're in. And you said before we we started recording that that. You know, historians have just never been as busy. That that the times we're in and and what's going on have suddenly made you know the work you and your colleagues do uh, uh, 
relevant. Relevant, and people are interested in it. I mean, are we? Uh, is that sort of for the good? And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I've certainly read a lot saying uh, Trump is probably one of the least historically informed presidents we've had, and, and he's made numerous references that have historians, uh, you know, both uh, formal historians like yourself, but just casual students of American history uh, rolling their eyes or gnashing their teeth or whatever right. at just how completely uh, uh, oblivious he is to, to, to some, of these, some of these things. Well, right. I mean, you know, since, since Trump's inauguration, there have been many occasions on which he has uh, wandered into historical issues without any knowledge at all of what he's talking about, you know, his references to Frederick Douglass, his references to Andrew Jackson. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's sort of been a repeated pattern. I think, you know, the last couple of weeks has been such a politically charged issue. It's been a tragic issue. Um, you know, somebody died in, the, in this conflict. And Trump has sort of been insistent, you know, not just in terms of weighing in, but then doubling down on the, the attitudes that he expressed about, you know, basically an equivalence between white supremacists and those uh, who were opposing racism. Um, you know, so, so I think that the, in some ways the political atmosphere and, and, and sort of maybe where we're at in terms of Trump's presidency has made this issue particularly fraught right at this moment. And so it definitely has put a spotlight on the historical question and yes, it's true. I feel, you know, historians have, uh, in a good way, you know, I saw somebody make a comment. They said, they said, you know, we never really talk about the complex history behind these monuments as much as when we're talking about taking them down. You know, when they just stay mm -hmm. up, nobody actually even really thinks about what they are or what the They're issue is. They're just kind is. of part of the backdrop. Right. But but now we're sort of at a moment when, when you know, the discussion of possibly taking them down or, you know, yes, taking them down is, is on the agenda. Where it is actually a moment to kind of look in a more complicated way at the history that's behind them. And so in that regard, I, I totally decry the issues and conditions that brought this to the forefront, but having this discussion, I think, can be a good thing. How... Uh, this is a question that, that uh, comes from my my time in Iraq. I, I was I, I'm an Iraq veteran from when we were first there, and uh, so, so I, I couldn't help at least drawing the parallel between um, seeing statues there come down mm. and sort of the fr almost frenzied emotions that that unleashed, and the right. same the same images are very similar images to ones we saw when um, some protesters took down a Confederate monument here. Um, but the, I think the question is the same, which is how do you uh, how do you deal with the roots that are underneath that statue? You know, in some ways, it felt like we were just reaching up high in the tree and cutting off a branch of of this whole constellation or this whole tree of things that mm -hmm. you know that that held up that statue. How do we be sure that we're dealing with with what's actually underneath and supporting that statue rather than just taking down statues to make ourselves feel better? Well, I, I guess I, I mean I would go back to a point I made earlier, which is that. Statues often aren't the best way to tell a complicated history, uh, and that there are many, many other better ways to tell a complicated history. So, so your question is sort of like, do we just kind of 
bow to the impulse that says this is bad, let's well, take it down. Right. I mean, uh, well, yes, I mean, and we can see in Iraq specifically. I mean, the, the reason that it that it came to mind for me, or the emotion that br- that it brought up, is 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 we're still dealing with it 14 years later. You know, 15 years later. Um, you know, things in Iraq are certainly not better than they were at that moment. They're not better than they were before that. So, you know, does just the act of taking down statues actually do anything? Well, and that's a really good point. Um, and, and it is something that I've been thinking about and I've been concerned about, which is that will, will the taking down of a flag and the taking down of a statue then become the easy solution to a much more difficult problem about racial inequality, uh, about racial tensions that we have in this country? Um, you know, will that be a way that some people can say, okay, we've taken down these statues, but Sort of a declare victory and uh, right, and, and, go and then home. move on yeah. when, in fact, more serious issues are still at stake. Uh, well, I think it's it's clear that there are more more serious issues that'll be be with us regardless of the outcome of each of these uh, each of these uh, fights or debates over statues. But um, I want to thank uh, both of you for a great conversation, and uh, um, Nia Silver, thanks very much for coming in, and Steve Gazelle from the Massing Polling Group. Uh, thanks to you. Uh, you have been listening to another episode of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. You can subscribe to the Codcast via iTunes or SoundCloud. I want to uh, thank our producer, Lear Johansson, and thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time